0: Well, fuck. You scared the hell out of me, and I already thought you were done for. That they'd killed you. Inserted Andrew uh, venomously, and all of the men who were gathered tightly around the campfire at the 450th meter bursted into friendly laughter. Even Poiter Androvich himself First glancing angrily at Andre couldn't re- restrain himself and smiled. Laughter sounded along the tunnel, giving birth somewhere in its depths to a distorted echo, a sinister screech that sounded unlike anything. And anyone gradually fell silent upon hearing it. From the depths of the tunnel, form the north. The suspicious sounds were rather distinct were rather distinct now. There were rustling and light rhythmic steps. Andre, of course, was the first to hear them. He went silent instantly and waved a hand to a, uh, to signal the others to be quiet too, and he picked up his machine gun from the ground and jumped up from where he was sitting. Slowly undoing his safety catch and loading a cartridge, he backed to the wall. He silently moved from the fireside into the tunnel. Artyom got up too. He was curious to see who he had missed and the last time who he had missed the last time. But Andre turned back and frowned at him angrily. He stopped at the border of the darkness, put his gun to his shoulder, and lay down flat, shouting, give me some light. One of the guys, holding a powerful accumulator flashlight, which had been assembled from old car lights, turned it on, and the bright beam ripped through the darkness, snatching from the darkness a fuzzy silhouette appeared on the floor for a second. It was something small, something not really scary looking, something which rushed back to the north. Artyom couldn't restrain himself and he cried out, Shoot! It's getting away! But for some reason, Andrei did not shoot. Pojter Androvich got up too, keeping his machine gun at the ready and shouted, Andrioka, you still alive? The guy sitting at the fire whispered in agitation, hearing the lock of Andre's gun slide back. Finally, Andre appeared in the light and the flashlight dusting off his no, in the light of the flashlight dusting off his jacket. Yes, I'm alive. I'm alive, he said, laughing. Why you snorting, poor dear? Andrevich asked him suspiciously. It had three feet and two heads. Mutants. The dark ones are here. They'll cut our throats. Shout uh, no shoot or they'll get away. Must have been a lot of them must have. Andre continued to laugh. Why didn't you shoot? Fine, my young man might not have, have but he's young didn't get it, but why did you mess it up? You're not new to this after all. You know what happened to, no, you know what happened at Polozevskia, asked Poitier Androvich angrily when Andre had returned to the fire. Yes, I've heard about Polozevskia a dozen times, Andre waved him away. It was a dog. A puppy. Not even a dog. It's already the second time it's tried to get close to the fire towards the heat and the light. And and you almost took him out and now you are asking me why I'm being so considerate. Knackers. Knackers. How was I supposed to know it was a dog R.D.M. had... had taken offense. I I gave out such sounds. No, it gave out such sounds. And then a week ago, they were talking about seeing a rat the size of a pig. You believe in fairy tales? Wait a second, and I'll bring you your rat, Andre said, throwing his machine gun over his shoulder and walking off into the darkness. A minute later, they heard a a fine whistle from the darkness, and then a voice called out, affectionately, coaxingly, come here, come here little one, don't be afraid, he spent a little time convincing it, but about ten minutes calling it and whistling to it, and then finally his figure, no, finally his figure appeared again in the twilight. He returned to the fire and smiled triumphantly as he opened his jacket. The puppy fell out onto the ground, shivering, pecious, wet and intolerably dirty, with matted fur of an an indistinct color and black eyes full of horror and Latin ears. Once on the ground, he immediately tried to get away, but Andre's firm hand grabbed it and held it in place. Petting it on its head, he removed his jacket and covered the little dog. The puppy needs to be warmed up, he explained. Come on, Andre. It's a flea bag. Andrew Androvich tried to bring Andre to his senses, and he might ha- even have even had worms. And generally, you might pick up an infection and spread it through the station. Okay, Poitier, that's enough. Stop whining. Just look at it. And he pulled back the flaps of his jacket, showing Poitier the muzzle of the puppy that was still shivering either out of fear or cold. Look at its eyes. Those eyes can never lie. Portrait Androvitch looked at the puppy skeptically. They might they they were frightened eyes, but they were undoubtedly honest. Portray Androvich thought a bit. Alright. You nature lover, wait. I'll find something for him to chew on. He muttered and started to look for his rucks- rucksack. Have a look, have a look. You never know, maybe something useful will grow from it. A German Shepherd, for example. Andre said and moved the jacket containing the puppy puppy closer to the fire. But where could a puppy come from to get here? There aren't any people in that direction, only dark ones. Do the dark ones keep dogs? One of, Andre's men's men. one, of, one of Andre's men, a thin man with tousled hair who hadn't said anything until now, asked as he looked suspiciously at the puppy who had dozed off in the heat. You're right, of course, for real. Andre answered seriously. The Dark Ones don't keep pets as far as I know. Well, how do they live, then? What do they eat, anyway? Asked another man, scratching his unshaven jaw with a light, electric, crackling sound. He was tall and obviously battle-hardened, broad-shouldered, and thick-set with a completely shaven beard. He had dressed in a long and well-sewn leather cloak, which in this day and age was a rarity. What do they eat? They say they eat all kinds of junk. They eat carrion. They eat rats. They eat humans. They're not picky, you know, answered Andre, contorting his face in disgust. Cannibals, asked the man with the shaved head, without a shadow of surprise. And it sounded as if though he'd come across cannibals before. Cannibals. They're not even human. They're undead. Who knows what the hell they are? It's good they have they they don't it's good they don't have weapons, so we're able to fend them off for the time being. Portier, remember, six months ago we managed to take one of them captive. I remember spoke up Porter Androvich. He sat in our lockup for two weeks, wouldn't drink our water, wouldn't touch our food, and then croaked. You didn't interrogate him? asked the man. He didn't understand a word we said in our language. They'd speak plain Russian to him, and he'd keep quiet. He kept quiet the entire time, like his mouth was full of water. They'd beat him, too, and he said nothing. And they'd give him something to eat, and he'd say nothing. He'd just growl every once in a while. And he howled so loud, loudly just before he died that the whole station woke up. So how'd the dog get here anyhow, Kirill reminded them. Who the hell knows how it got here. Maybe it ran away from them. Maybe they wanted to eat it. It's about two kilometers to here. Couldn't a dog have run here from there? Maybe it belonged to someone. Maybe someone was coming from the north and fell on the dark ones, and the little dog managed to get away. Doesn't matter anyhow how he got here. Look at him yourself. Doesn't he look like a monster? Like a mutant? No, no. She's a little puppy dog, nothing special, and she's drawn to people. That means she's used to us. Otherwise, why would she have tried three times to get close to the fire? Gril went silent, thinking through the argument. Puerto Androvich filled up the kettle with water from the canister and asked, Anyone... Anyone want more tea? Let's have a final cup. Soon it'll be time for us to be relieved. Tea, now you're talking. Let's have some. Andre said and the others became animated at the idea as well. The kettle came to a boil. Poytere Androvich poured another cup for those who wanted it and made a request. You guys... There's no point in talking about the Dark Ones. The last time we were sitting like this and talking about them, they crawled up. Other guys have told me that the very same thing happened to them. Maybe it's just a coincidence. I'm not superstitious. But what if it's... it is not? What if they can sense... sense it? Our... our shift... our shifts... almost over already. What do we need these shenanigans for at the last minute? Yeah, actually, it's probably not worth it. Second Artium. Okay, that's enough, man. Don't chicken out on us. We'll get there in the end, said Andre, trying to cheer up Artyom, and not really succeeding to convince him. The mere thought of the Dark Ones sent an unpleasant shiver through everyone including Andre, although he tried to hide it. He didn't fear humans of, no. He didn't fear humans of any kind, not bandits, not cutthroats, anarchists, not soldiers of the Red Army, but the undead disgusted him. It, it wasn't that they were afraid of them, but that he couldn't stay calm when he thought about them or indeed any other danger. Everyone felt quiet. A heavy, oppressive silence came over the men grouped around the fire. The knobbly logs of the fire were crackling, and to the north, a muted, deep-chested, croaking sound in the tunnel could be heard from time to time in the distance, as if the Moscow metro were the giant intestines of the some unknown monster. Those sounds were really terrifying.